Good to see you on a Wednesday night, and isn't it good to be here? You know, we missed a Sunday night, weren't able to be here, and uh, I, we could say this all of the time, but boy, wasn't God good to us uh, during that storm. Uh, I mean, goodness gracious, I had people calling from all over the country checking in on us uh, and saying, brother, I just, it looks bad down there. It looks bad down there. I said, you're not going to believe this, uh, but most of us, I think we slept through it, didn't we? Uh, Miley told me she didn't know anything was going on outside, and uh, she has more faith than I do because I stayed up to make sure everything was going to be okay, and her and her, her mom just slept right through it. But, man, you look at that thing that came in, and I think 172 miles an hour was the highest gust that hit on the way in, and uh, just a little bit south of us tonight, there's some people that are struggling, uh, people that aren't able to be in their church tonight. Roofs are ripped off, and they don't have power. I've spoke to several pastors over the last few days that aren't too terribly far down south from here, and uh, they're not able to even have church tonight. And so, boy, the Lord was good to us, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm excited about the opportunity we're going to have to be a blessing to them. And uh, I told someone just yesterday, I said, the Lord's blessed us, and uh, we want to be good stewards of the resources that God's blessed us with here at Central, uh, not just the resources of the building, but our finances and however we can help those people that are down there. You know, I'd hate for the Lord to come back, and we have a lot of money in the bank, wouldn't you? Uh, you know the government's going to find a way to confiscate it after the rapture, so let's make sure we spend and give it to those who have need, and we've already done a lot of that. I appreciate what you've brought already back there in the fellowship hall. We have a lot of uh, uh, cleaning products, a lot of water has been brought, a lot of food. If you want to bring some things, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, but before I came out, um, but we've extended the date through Friday. I talked to the pastor down in New Orleans today, and he'll not be there tomorrow because he's going to get gasoline. Uh, I got a lot of his members that are running their homes uh, by generators, and he had to go get some gas for them, and uh, so he'll not be there tomorrow. He will be there Friday. Friday. And so if you wanted to give something toward that effort, if you want to give a mop or a broom, some garbage bags, cases of water. Uh, one thing we didn't mention that I did speak with the pastor a moment ago is tarps. Uh, they're needing tarps. They can't find a lot of those right down there right now. He says FEMA has promised to bring them some, uh, but it uh, takes a little while to get through the government red tape uh, in order to get that. Meanwhile, people are sitting in homes without roofs or without holes with holes in the roofs. And so we're going to try to take down some, um, some tarps as well on Friday. So if you haven't been able to get anything but wanted to, uh, we have a reprieve of an extra day if you want to be able to get something down there to them. I know it would be a blessing. Uh, and another thing that will help us on the, on the side note of that, it's easy right now to get distracted by all of the, uh, all of the negative uh, that's around us in the world. And one sure way to get distracted, by, uh, to get, to get distracted from the negative is by serving other people finding ways that we can help people that are having a tougher time than we are. And tonight, those folks down there are having a tough time. But number one, let's just praise the Lord for how he protected us and looked after us and brought us through that. I um, mean, you watched that storm. It just hooked around us. And I think we've had thunderstorms worse than, uh, than that uh, recently. And that's just the goodness of God. I don't think the weatherman got it wrong. I think God got it right and he took care of us. So let's thank him for that. But then let's think about folks uh, less fortunate and let's try to help them out all that we can. We have a box trailer here at the church. I want to make sure we fill that thing up. So what we don't put in it, uh, we're going to go buy some stuff, fill it up with some water, tarps, uh, things people are going to need. And this is not just going to be a one-hit wonder for us, okay? We're going to try in the next few weeks to help these churches out, these people that have needs. Uh, I talked to some folks down in Marrero today uh, at a Grace Baptist Church, and they're looking at possibly three weeks without power. Um, folks, I don't know about you, I like air conditioning. And uh, that's going to be a long time without air conditioning. So we need to pray for them. And we're going to try to go down there in the coming weeks. I was telling Brother Nate today, we've dealt with a lot of uh, natural disasters uh, in our ministry. My mom and dad did, and I grew up in that. And uh, a lot of times everybody comes down the first week. 
90% of your volunteers will come down in the first week, and that's great. Uh, what happens is they use all of their vacation time in that first week, and then two, the week two, week three, week four, week five, they don't have a whole lot of help. And I'll promise you, they're not going to get back up on their feet in one week. And so we want to phase this thing out, be a blessing to them all that we can. So if you have a question about how you can be of help, see Brother Nate. Uh, as I have mentioned, we're going to do our best not to uh, collect clothes right now, okay? Uh, I know that's something we've all got a lot of, we'd like to get rid of, but right now they don't need that as much as they need to get their houses cleaned up, get some food. And uh, someone even mentioned today, Uncle Jerry Pertel, he came by and visited with us a little bit today. He says one thing they are looking for is little small air conditionings. 5,000 BTU air conditioners run about $150. They can be ran off of generators. And there's a lot of folks down there. Look, young folks like us, we can deal with it. Uh, but there's folks out there that are older than us, folks who, uh, whose health is compromised, that they need a little air conditioner in their house. So if you have one of those, I know a lot of us have them out in our storage sheds. If you have one of the small ones that run off a generator, something we could just cool one room for some folks who have need of that. Uh, I know it'd be a blessing to them. So what an opportunity, amen? What an opportunity for us to be a blessing and to be a help. So think about that, see Brother Nate, if you have something you want to help with. Lamentations chapter 4, let's go there if we could. Uh, I told Brother Nate when I came out, I says, good night. I says, y'all ran through everything quickly, and I'm going to get up behind the pulpit with a lot of time to preach. And wouldn't you know it, tonight I only have one point to give you. Uh, no promises, okay? This is not going to be a pointless message. We do have one point uh, that I'm going to give you tonight and uh, try to help you get your money's worth. But I told Brother Bo when he came in the office, he saw, I sent Brother Bo the notes, and he says, that it? I said, that's it. I tried to stretch it out to three. You know me. I like three. Uh, it's kind of the trinity of notes. You know, it's all scriptural that way. And I just couldn't get it to go to three. And I says, we're just going to do what the Lord wants tonight. And so just have one point for you. But you know me. I can spread it out and, and cover the whole time so you don't feel like you get ripped off. I mean, we missed Sunday night, so I know you're thinking, I better make it count tonight. Lamentations chapter 4. Let's look down if we could. Verse number 11. Lamentations chapter 4, uh, let's look down to verse 11, then we're going to skip a lot of things that have points that we could preach out of, but some things we've already covered, and go to the next verse the Lord have us to. Just going to read two verses tonight. Lamentations chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says, The Lord hath accomplished his fury. He hath poured out his fierce anger, and hath kindled a fire in Zion, and it hath devoured the foundations thereof. Now you think about that line tonight. When we build a fire, it burns things that are burnable, right? But notice the Bible says when the Lord builds a fire, it devours everything, devour the foundations thereof. Now skip down, if you will, to verse 22. The last verse in chapter 4, and then we'll round the corner next week into chapter 5, which is the, the end of the book and our, where our theme verse comes from. Verse 22, the punishment of thine iniquity is accomplished. O daughter of Zion, he will no more carry thee away into captivity. He will visit thine iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will discover thy sins. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege to gather together again tonight in your house. And Lord, what wonderful blessings there are in just that thought, that Lord, we're able to gather in the midst of all the pandemics, and then Lord, we're able to gather in a building that's still here. After, Lord, the storm came through, you protected us, you blessed us. What an answered prayer, wonderful answered prayer tonight, and I'm thankful for that. Father, I pray as we do have this privilege, we'll take advantage of it. Help us to hear the message, not just hear it, but receive it and be doers of it. Lord, tonight, I pray your will be accomplished. Be with the many requests that were mentioned. Be with our folks that are watching tonight as well. And help us all just resolve right now. We're going to surrender to do what you'd have us to do through the message in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I've had a, many conversations over the past few months, and I guess really over the past 18 months, uh, that really concern the unusually long season of adversity we've been going through together. And oftentimes those questions come up on what are we going to do. Uh, we've faced a lot of things that there's not a lot of precedence for, uh, and it's been unprecedented in reality. And uh, a lot of times folks have asked, what should we do and what are we going to do? Uh, once we figured out what we're going to do, then we have questions that are asked on how are we going to do what we believe God would have us to do. And uh, then also, also there comes the precedence of why do we do things the way uh, that we do? And they are perfectly understandable questions. By the way, uh, I encourage you to ask questions. It's good to ask questions. That's how you find out things. And uh, that's how you get answers to questions that maybe you don't have. And I have learned through my time in ministry that assumptions can quickly lead you away from the truth. Have you ever assumed something about someone? I think we all have. Uh, I mean, you assume that I'm a mean guy and that I don't like you, and you find out after a while he's a pretty nice guy. He, he actually likes us and actually loves us. And maybe we've assumed that about our teachers at school. Young people, have we ever done that? Assumed somebody was mean. And uh, sometimes they are, okay? Let's just be honest. Sometimes they are, but you assume somebody's one thing and you realize that they're not. And assumptions can quickly lead you away from the truth. That's why you need to ask questions often you can. And uh, it's been amazing that as I have had many discussions over the last few months, uh, even over the last year and, and some, uh, about what we're going to do and, and why we're going to do it and how we're going to do it, after we discuss things together, we find out that uh, there's a lot that goes into making decisions, uh, particularly in times of unprecedented circumstances, correct? Uh, I mean, it's easy to make decisions on things you've done before. I mean, when my alarm clock goes off in the morning, I don't have to think about what I'm going to do. I know it's time to get out of bed, whether I feel like it or not. Uh, I know that I have to get dressed and look somewhat presentable as best I can do with what I have. I know that I've got to get my daughter to school, uh, and I know I've got to get to work, things in the office. Those things are already decided. I don't have to sit there uh, and, and rack my brain or shake the magic eight ball to figure out what I'm going to do in the morning. It's pretty much set for me. But when you're living in unprecedented times, sometimes you really got to stop and think, and a lot has to go into decisions on what you're going to do in times when you're living in unprecedented circumstances. I'll give you an example of that. Last night, my wife and I, we love watching documentaries. I love learning. I really do. Uh, I hope we learn the rest of our lives and continue to grow the rest of our lives. And I like learning about weird things. Anybody else? I like learning about weird things. I mean, you know those bathroom readers? Those are just like encyclopedias of weird things. I mean, weird facts. And last night, as a matter of fact, Leslie and I were laying in bed, couldn't go to sleep, and I pulled up a documentary on my phone on Parmesan cheese. Or as a friend of mine calls it, Parmesan cheese. I'm like, no, you're getting it all wrong. But, you know, rednecks in the South, I don't expect them to speak Italian very good. And uh, so we watched this documentary on Parmesan cheese. Now, I love cheese. That's probably one of my favorite foods in the whole wide world. Miley and I love to go to corner market and buy these cheeses from around the world. I mean, I mean, wonderful smoked Gouda, Gruyere. I mean, all of these wonderful cheeses we like to buy. But my biggest problem is how expensive cheese is. I'm talking about the real stuff, okay? Not what my brother-in-law calls the Kraft Singles, okay? Uh, there's real cheese out there other than Kraft Singles. And I love the real stuff. I mean, I like stinky cheese. I do. Limburger's a little too far for me, but I like the cheese. It's got a little bit of, a little bit of to it, you know? It's just good stuff. Miley loves smoked Gouda. That's her favorite. And we'll go buy sometimes $20, $30 worth of cheese. I mean, instead of going out to eat, you're going to spend that much anyway, right? 
And so we'll go buy 20, sometimes $30 worth of cheese on a daddy-daughter date night, and we will have gourmet grilled cheeses at our house, and it's just like glorious, and I love it. But the problem is, cheese is so expensive. I mean, just a little bitty wedge of some of those exotic cheeses. I got a green one the other day. It was from Ireland, and boy, it was good. But it was about $7 for just a teeny tiny little wedge of cheese. And I complain about it, and I'm thinking to myself, why is that so expensive? I know now. I watched a documentary on Parmesan cheese last night. Do you know what it takes two years to make that stuff? Two years to make Parmesan cheese. And we watched how they make it. And did you know, I had to write this in my notes because I wouldn't remember it. In Parmesan cheese, it can only be created within the region of Emilia Romana in northern Italy. That's the only place on earth that you can make Parmesan cheese because that's the only place on earth, according to the documentary, right, that there's a certain bacteria that makes Parmesan cheese. And I'm thinking to myself, now I get it. That's why this stuff is so expensive. I didn't know all that went into Parmesan cheese, and that really explains to me. And look, I don't, I don't worry as much now about spending that much because I realize, man, there's a lot, two years worth of work in that one particular region of Italy. But did you know our decisions a lot of times are the same way? When we know what goes into making a decision, oftentimes it helps us uh, to be able to make a better decision and understand why we did what we did. I'll give you a few things real quick. I only have one point, so I have a long introduction. As a Christian... And as pastor, Central Baptist Church, obviously, number one, as we make decisions during this unprecedented time, number one, we've got to take in scriptural influence, all right? I mean, what better thing to go to for a reference on making decisions than the Word of God? I mean, this is a really, really neat manual for how we should live our life and how we should leave our, uh, lead our church. And so as a pastor, I've gone to the scriptural influence just to see if the Word of God has something to say about decisions that we have to make. I mean, look, I couldn't find anything in there on uh, whether or not to cancel a Sunday night service for, for a hurricane. So then what do we do? Well, then we go to a spiritual influence. We get along with God. I think every Christian ought to do that. Look, number one, you ought to go to the scriptural influence. Number two, you ought to go to a spiritual influence. Get down on your, whole, your knees, go to the Holy Spirit of God, you pray, and find out what he would have you do when you make decisions. Scriptural influence, spiritual influence, and then we have a counsel influence. The Bible says in a multitude of counsel, there's safety. You ought to get good counsel before you make a decision. As we've made decisions, we've sought out good counsel. And then we've had the physical influence. You take into consideration what harm may come to our people by making this decision or that decision. Matter of fact, Brother Heath said it well the other night. Brother Heath says, I've got decision fatigue. I think we need to diagnose that. We might get a check for it. Decision fatigue. You get tired of making so many decisions throughout this pandemic, you're like, I want to sit this one out. But oftentimes, I want to give you some, this leads into the message tonight. Oftentimes, one of the key components in making a decision is something that's known in the business world as risk management. Have you ever heard of that? Risk management. What risk management is, is when you have a decision to make, and before you take action, you think that decision all the way through to the end, and then you decide to weigh the risk by the outcome, Okay? So before you make a decision, you're managing risk. Now, could we all agree tonight you're never going to eliminate risk? That's why it's called risk management, not risk elimination. Okay? You have to manage risk. And so what you do before you make a decision, listen, this will help us tonight. Before we make a decision in our life, we do some risk management. We go all the way to the end of the decision. 
and we see what the outcome of that decision is going to be. And based on the outcome, we make the decision whether or not we're going to risk it or not. Now, folks, believe it or not, this is something we do in everyday life. Let me prove it to you. I believe every one of us do this in our marriage on a daily basis. So how do you figure? Watch. You use risk management in trying to decide whether or not you're going to say what you want to say to your spouse. What you feel like saying to your spouse. Let's put it that way. Do you know what you're doing? You're using risk management. You husbands are trying to decide, do I want to eat dinner at Ward's tonight or do I want the pot roast? You know what you're doing? You're thinking, if I say to her what I feel like saying to her, I know what the end of this is going to lead to. I'm going to be eating a greasy little one from Ward's rather than a wonderful pot roast. And so you say, not worth the risk. Why? You thought about the end of it, and the outcome caused you to reconsider your decision. Why? Because of the risk. This is something all of you do. This is why you go to Walmart at midnight. You know why? Because there's less risk of a church member seeing you in your pajamas. You're laughing because you're guilty. It's true. That's why you go to Walmart at midnight because you're thinking, oh my goodness, you look and you're wearing your Winnie the Pooh pajamas and you got your shirt on and your hair's all messed up and you're thinking to yourself, oh, if I go at seven, somebody sees me, I'll never live that down. It's too great a risk. I will see somebody there at seven. But at midnight, the risks are lower. What are you doing? Risk management. You're thinking about the outcome and it's affecting your decision. I remember as a teenager, whether I realized I was employing risk management in my life, I was. You teenagers do it every day. I know you are not going to believe this, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. But every once in a while, a teenager gets a bad idea. Could we even say every once in a while in a rare blue moon when the summer solstice is just right, that they get a stupid idea? And all of a sudden, you're thinking to yourself, should I do that? And then here's what you do. You go to the end of it. And you're thinking what that outcome is going to be. And look, if you grew up in a household like I did, my mom and dad, who's here tonight, they believe in corporal punishment, all right? That means a spanking, or that means trouble in my life. And I'm thinking, not worth the risk. Now, folks, listen, this is a spiritual principle. I'm going somewhere with this tonight. Stick with me. Only have one point. Let that excite you. I'll only have one point. This is a spiritual principle that if we would learn to employ in our life and our decision-making by going to all the way to the end of things and working back. Let me give you an example. 2 Peter 3.11, listen close, you're going to see the principle in this. The Bible says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What is it speaking of? It's speaking of our world and all the elements in the world we're living in. One day it's all going away. It's going to be dissolved. The Bible says, seeing then, so watch this. He says, I want you to look to the end of it, to the outcome. And the outcome is all of this stuff's going away one day. Then what does he say? What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? He says, I want you to think about the outcome. And I want you to think about what's going to happen in the future. And let what's going to happen in the future to affect your present. And you're thinking to yourself, one day all of this stuff's going to be gone. I'm not going to waste or risk my time in this life for something that's all going to go away one day. You see, that's what God, how, how God wants us to live. I want you to think about this tonight. Imagine how differently we'd live if everything we began was done with the end in mind. How differently would you live if everything we began, we did with the end in mind? 
When you're thinking, before I think this thought, before I waste this time, before I uh, am obedient or disobedient to God, I'm going to do it based on the outcome of what is going to be one day. Now, what is Lamentations? Lamentations, particularly, we're looking at Lamentations chapter 4, we're seeing the ending that God did not intend. This is not what God intended for his people. These people have reached an end that they don't like. Could we all agree they don't like what's going on here? And they've reached this ending, this heartbreaking ending of death and destruction and despair. They've reached that, and now they don't like it. But you know when you get to the end, it's too late to think about it, isn't it? They didn't think about what it was going to be when they were denying and rejecting God. That was not his plan. Now, here's what I want you to see. What you're reading in Lamentations chapter 4 was never supposed to be their legacy. This was not supposed to be their legacy. Death, destruction, despair, that wasn't supposed to be their legacy. So how do you know that? Go back to when God called his people. He'll tell you what their legacy was supposed to be. But oftentimes we don't think about that. And tonight we're going to look at this very simple thought of the lesson of our legacy. The lesson of our legacy. This past Sunday we celebrated 72 years and we talked about our heritage. Very similar to a legacy what we leave behind and what's going to be there at the end of our life. And I believe God would have us consider lamentations tonight. As we look at this passage of scripture, we're seeing a legacy that's not what God intended. And he wants us to learn from their legacy so we can have the legacy in our lives which he intended. So look at verse 11. I want you to see something. I told you I only have one point tonight. Verse number 11, the Bible says, The Lord hath what? Accomplished. The Lord hath accomplished. Look down at verse 22. The punishment of thy iniquity is what? The Bible says is accomplished. Now we're seeing what God did, and we're seeing what God had to do because he is a holy and he's a just God. God is not going to allow his people to live in sin and rebellion. He chastens every son that he loves, all right? So what you're seeing here is the acts of a loving father, as difficult as it is. I know it's difficult for our children to understand when we spat them on the backside or maybe we punish them or ground them. They're trying to understand how could that be love. Well, it's because we love them that we do that. The Bible teaches that. But notice in verse 11 and verse 22, there's a word mentioned twice. It's the word accomplished. Now, what we're seeing here, listen, what we're seeing here is God accomplishing something in the lives of his people that, to be honest, he never intended. God never intended to destroy them. God's plan for them was that they go on and represent him in a world that denied him. That's what God wants for us. God wants us to be that light and that salt that represents him. But what we're seeing here is what is accomplished is only what they allowed God to do. Now, this is important. God, God desired to accomplish so much more in their life. God desired to accomplish better things in their life. God desired to accomplish a legacy that you'd look back on and see the handiwork of God. But we're not reading that, are we? Why? Here's point number one. What we're seeing here is the fact of what they would not let God do. God desired that, but they would not let God accomplish in their life what he wanted, and now that's when we have the destruction. Here's the one point I want to give you tonight. Letting God will determine your legacy. Letting God will determine your legacy. So what are you getting at? 
God desired to accomplish so much more than what we're reading he accomplished. What does verse 11 say? The Lord had accomplished his fury. Verse number 22, the punishment of that iniquity is accomplished. Can I tell you, fury and punishment is not what God desired to accomplish through them. God desired that they be his people and that they represent him. But here's the, listen, here's the sticking point. God could only accomplish in them and through them what they let him do. And tonight what we've got to understand is the legacy you leave behind. We are reading a legacy. And the legacy that we read about tonight is a reflection of what they allowed or they let God do in their life. Here's what happens when the Lord puts a burden on our heart. We sort through to make sure it's not me, you know, because I don't know about you, me gets in the way of God a lot in my life. So I sit down and begin to pray and get in the word of God and try to find out, okay, is this what God wants us to preach on? This point of letting God will determine your legacy. And so I begin putting it through a litmus test in scripture. I've been going through, I went through scripture all day today and I'm looking at the different legacies that people left behind in scripture. And can I tell you, it's true. The legacy of everybody in scripture is a direct reflection of what they let God do or what they didn't let God do in their life. Can I tell you tonight? Your legacy and what you leave behind, your Lamentations chapter number four, the legacy you leave behind that your children and my children are going to come behind and see in our life will be a direct result of what you did or did not let God do in your life. Now, folks, we're reading what God accomplished in their life. He accomplished fury and he accomplished punishment of their iniquity. Can I tell you, God wants to accomplish more than that in your life. God doesn't want your legacy to be one of fury, death, and destruction, and despair. That's not what God wants for his children. God desires that we represent him to be salt and light in his world. God wants to accomplish his work in our life. But watch this. He'll only accomplish what you let him accomplish. So here's what I'll do tonight in this one point that I'm going to give you on letting God will determine your legacy. I want to put this through a litmus test. We're going to go through just a few Bible characters tonight. We're going to start over in Genesis, and we don't have to turn all of those places, but we're going to start in Genesis, and we're going to go through a few people that you know well. We're going to look at their legacy, and we're going to see whether their legacy tonight is a reflection of letting God. Let's go to the first one tonight. Think about Adam and Eve, if you would. What do you think about Adam and Eve? What is their legacy? Is Adam and Eve's legacy tonight one of obedience? and faithfulness, and trust of God? I don't think so. I think the legacy of Adam and Eve tonight is a legacy of disobedience, a lack of faith, and pride. Now, that's their legacy. Now, I want you to think about this. Imagine what God desired to accomplish in the life of Adam and Eve. Could we just imagine that tonight? I think all of us still have somewhat of an imagination left. Imagine what God desired to accomplish in the life of Adam and Eve. Well, we know very well, we read in Genesis, he wanted them to dress and keep the garden. God says, I got plans for you. Isn't that exciting in itself? The God of heaven has plans for us. Does that not excite you? Look, tomorrow morning, when you have trouble getting yourself out of bed and getting yourself dressed, you think about this. There's a holy God in heaven who didn't accidentally wake you up. No, you are there for a purpose. God has plans for your life tomorrow morning. God has things, remember the word, he wants to accomplish in your life. But you can get to the end of your day tomorrow and have a great big goose egg in heaven if you don't let God accomplish what he desires in your life. Now think about Adam and Eve. Think about what they could have had. I mean, isn't it easy for us to jump on the bandwagon and get mad at Adam and Eve? Oh, man. 
If it weren't for them, no, come on. You know you and I would have done the same thing. Not only would we have picked the fruit, we probably would have made preserves out of it and put them up on the shelf and just had jars and jars and jars of disobedience. That's what we would have done. We may have even sold them to our neighbors, if there were neighbors. Why did Adam and Eve miss out on what God desired to accomplish? I'll tell you why. Listen closely. They wouldn't let God be God. They wouldn't let God be God. So how do you know that? God says, Adam and Eve, here's what I made for you. Here's the plans I have for you. I want to accomplish great things through you. Look, there's a tree over there. You leave it alone. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. God says, that's the only one. You can have all the others. But all of a sudden, the serpent comes along and says, you know what? If you ate that fruit, you'd be just like God. You'd know the thing God knows. You'd be just like him. You'd be just as wise as he is. And all of a sudden, pride entered in the heart of Adam and Eve. And they desired, you know what? Instead of letting God be God, I'm going to be God. I want to be like him. I want to start making decisions for my good rather than let God make decisions of what he knows is good. And all of a sudden, watch this, their legacy is not what it could have been. Why? Because they wouldn't let God be God. Can I tell you tonight, I believe God has plans for each and every one of us that will bring glory to him. Number one, I think that God, we know that God wants the lost to be saved. That's what he desires to do. That's what he wants to accomplish in their life. He wants to save to become more like Christ. That's what he wants to accomplish in their life. But understand this. You'll never become what God desires for you or have what God plans for you if you don't let God be God. What does that mean? That means you let him make the rules. That means you let him make the decisions. That means you let him direct your path. Why? Because he's God. I want to read a sad verse to you. I've quoted it often, but boy, how sad this is. Matthew 23, 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. Listen to this. How often would I have gathered thy children together? Do you know what, he's, you know what Jesus is saying there to Jerusalem? Here's what I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to gather them together. Look, can I tell you, when God gathers them together, he gathers them together. He said, this is what I wanted to do. Even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, but listen to the last four words, and ye would not, and ye would not. Jesus says, I wanted to be God to you. I wanted to protect you, to bring you under my wings and look after you, but you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't let God be God. You had to be God. You had to do things your own way. You killed the prophets that I sent to you. And now you're living in a sub-state of Christianity, as so many of us all are. Why? Because we want to be God. We won't just let God be God. Let God direct our paths. Let God give us the wisdom to do his will. We won't let God. I read a sad statistic today. In Mississippi, amongst our population, there are certain areas of our state that have a 19.6% Poverty rate, 19.6 at or below poverty level. Can I tell you why that's sad? That's a 2021 statistic. And I don't know if you've noticed, but everywhere around town, there's help wanted signs. Everywhere. Look, if you're without a job and can work, you don't want a job. Why? Because they're out there. 19.6% of our population, almost one-fifth of our population is living at or below the poverty level when they don't have to, all right? Now, here's the sadder point tonight. 
There's a lot of Christians that are living below the spiritual poverty point when we don't have to, but the reason tonight that we're living in a subset of Christianity, it's because we won't let God be God. We want to run our life. We want to call the shots. We want to make the decisions. And I'm telling you tonight, your legacy is not going to be what it was or what it could have been. God can accomplish in your life what he desires to accomplish if you don't let him be God. By the way, there's only room for one on the throne. Only room for one. And if you're sitting there, it means God's not there. He's not, listen, I've seen the bumper sticker a lot of times, and I get it, I'm not picking on folks, but that, that old license plate that says God is my co-pilot. He better be the pilot. All right, now, I want you to keep your hands on the wheel, all right? Some of you, I've seen you texting and driving. Why don't you let God be the pilot? Why? Because he's God. He's God, number one. Watch this. Letting God will determine your legacy, but you've got to let God be God. Matthew 6, you know what it's all about? We quote it all the time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you know what it's all about? Let God be God. Here's those disciples in Matthew chapter 5, these newly minted disciples. What do you think they're thinking about? I mean, good night. You called us from our trade. We're not fishing anymore. What are we going to do? They're thinking, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay the bills? Uh, how are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? What are we going to wear? I mean, some of those folks that are OCD, if one of the disciples were, they're going nuts by now. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And all of a sudden, in his wisdom, Jesus steps up and he says, look, I want you to take no thought. Let me be God. All of a sudden, a lot of pressure will come off of your life if you just let God be God. I remember when I resigned my church, uh, people asked me, where are you going to go before we came here? Where are you going to go? I don't know. Where are you going to live? I don't know. Where are you going to work? I don't know. I had so many I don't knows. I, I was sure that somebody was going to come take my wife and daughter from me because uh, they thought that I was leading them into off a cliff, you know. All that I knew is that God was going to be God. And we're going to trust God and let God be God. So number one tonight, letting God will determine your legacy. And you've got to just let God be God. Now I want you to think about another one tonight. I told you, this is a weird, weird sermon. I've never preached one quite in this, this fashion. And this is the way the Lord led us to do it tonight. I want you to think about Joseph. Can we think about Joseph? Joseph has a legacy I think we would all desire, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we all like a legacy like Joseph, a man that God used? But here's the problem. We all want that legacy, but oftentimes we're not willing to do what it takes to obtain a legacy like that. So what do you know? Think about Joseph. There's no doubt in his life he let God lead him. And would we agree tonight that God accomplished great things through Joseph? <laughs> Absolutely. When you look back at the legacy of Joseph, I mean, you see what God accomplished in his life. You're thinking, I want a legacy like that. Okay, I'm fixing to show you how. The second thought under that heading of letting God will determine your legacy, here's what Joseph did. He let God lead. He let God lead. Adam and Eve's legacy is not what it could be because they wouldn't let God be God, and that's why their legacy shows God accomplishing less in their lives than he could have. But Joseph let God lead. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, think about all the steps in Joseph's life. Why don't you think about them? Could we agree as well tonight they were not preferable steps? I mean, how many of us would sign up to be sold into slavery by our siblings? I didn't say how many of you want to sell your siblings into slavery. I said how many of us would sign up to be a part of that? Yes, that's what I want in my life. How many of us would sign up to be lied about, put in prison, and forgotten about? I mean, those are steps that none of us would want to take. I mean, we would not knowingly take those steps in our life. But do you know why Joseph just kept taking those steps 
He was not only letting God be God, he was just letting God lead. So how do you know that? What did he say at the end of the story? He says, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant. I want you to think about that word. He knew that God had meaning in the steps he was leading. He says, you know what? I don't know where this is going to lead, but God's leading, so I'm just going to follow them. Isn't it good tonight to know that you can trust Almighty God, even if he leads you into prison? Hey, look, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Watch what's going on in politics. I'm thinking, that might be me, you know? I've been wanting to have a prison ministry here. I just had been praying right, you know? It might be me in the prison preaching to folks there. Why? Because, look, our world is increasingly intolerant to those that preach the gospel. We're not far behind the Taliban tonight. But why did Joseph leave behind a legacy that we would all want? It's because he let God lead in his life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what's it all about? In all thy ways acknowledge him. Let him lead. Let God lead. Look, number one, let God be God in your life. Number two, let God lead. No matter, we sing the song about following Jesus, though he lead over the, the cold, dark mountains. Listen, I will follow. Why? I've got to let him lead because I want to leave behind a legacy that shows that God accomplished something in my life. None of us should want the legacy of Lamentations chapter 4. None of us should want a home that's flown apart and just in shambles and destruction. None of us wants a life tonight that we look behind and it's just rubble as we preached about a few weeks ago. None of us should want that. But the only way to have a legacy that shows that God accomplished something in our life is to let God lead. Can I tell you, Lamentations, you read the entire book, you're about read through the whole thing. God did not lead them there. God didn't lead to death and destruction and despair. They got there by following their own way. And God says tonight, I wonder what your legacy is going to be. Have you ever thought about that? What is your legacy going to be? Is it going to be, number one, somebody that just let God be God? Or number two, listen, is your legacy going to be one that let God lead in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths? I believe tonight that many of us will not leave behind the legacy we could have because we wouldn't let God lead. We wouldn't let him lead. You know, if you're not careful, you'll let circumstances lead you before God. I've had to be so careful with that. I want to be honest with you, okay? I want to peel back the curtain of my heart. There have been times that a lot of the circumstances we're living in were trying to push me in one direction when God's trying to lead in another direction. There have been times, listen, I've allowed others. Well, the temptation is to allow others to lead us before God leads us. Peer pressure is real, isn't it? It's not just our kids. It's real in our life. But you've got to decide, you know what? I want a legacy that says, look what God accomplished. We're seeing in chapter 4, the Lord hath accomplished his fury. The punishment of thine iniquity is accomplished. I want God to accomplish more than that in my life. Let God be God. And number two, let God lead. I'll give you a couple more and we're done. This is the toughest one. We may stop on this one. I want you to think about Job tonight. I want you to think about Job. Would we agree tonight that Job leaves behind a legacy we'd love to have? So how do you know? Well, how many times do we talk about the patience of Job? Oh, man. They're never going to talk about the patience of Brother Jeremiah. Never. Never. Why? A lot of times, instead of letting God lead me, I says, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to run ahead of you. And that's why God doesn't accomplish in our life what he accomplished in Job's. I want you to think about what God accomplished in the life of Job. It had to be difficult. But do you know why Job leaves behind a legacy that we would want in our life? Here's a third thought. 
Job was willing to let God have. Job was willing to let God have. Job 121, listen to this. The Bible says, Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe verse 21 is one of the most pivotal moments in the life of Job. I believe verse 21 is where Job chose his legacy. Think about his wife. When she got to that pivotal moment of losing everything, boy, God took all of this away from me. At that pivotal moment, when God wanted to accomplish something in her life, she says, nope. Job, why don't you just curse God and die? What's the legacy of Job's wife? Do you know why it's there? She wouldn't let God have. God took something and she said no. No. But wait a minute. What about Job? What kind of a legacy does he have? I believe verse 21 is a defining moment in the legacy of Job because he finally had to decide, you know what? God, it hurts. But I'm going to let you have it. You wanted it. I'm going to let you have it. You know in our society, what our legacies are defined by? Our legacies are defined by what we gain, aren't they? The richest people in the world, the biggest yacht, the most money in the bank, the biggest mansion, the most notoriety. Our legacies in this life are defined by what we gain, but the spiritual is the exact opposite. Our spiritual legacy is going to be all about what we let God have in what we let go of. Do you know, oftentimes in our spiritual life, we miss out on letting God accomplish great things in our life because of things we won't let go. We won't let go. God says, give that to me. Give that to me. By the way, our Father does know best. So I don't understand, God, why you want that. God, it's trivial, it means nothing. God, I don't understand that. Look, our Father knows best. When God wants something and God wants to take something out of our life, listen, let him have it. Why? It's a defining moment of your legacy. What you do for God and the legacy you leave behind oftentimes is defined when you let God have what he wants. You're going to let him have it. Look, my life was not worth a whole lot. still not worth a whole lot, all right? It's not even worth you taking, so don't think about it. Somebody let that sink in, please. 15-year-old kid, God calls me to ministry. My dreams have played in the NBA. What? I'm down at that altar and I'm praying. I'm like, no, these are my dreams. These are my hopes. I'm going to go to the NBA and I'm going to become a a Christian example. I can reach so many young people in the world for Christ if I was an NBA player rather than a guy from Carson, Mississippi. I had spiritualized it real good. You're probably good at that too, aren't you? And God says, no, give it to me. Now look, I've told you this many times before. It may be a pipe dream to you, but it was real to me, buddy. God says, I want it. I want your hopes, I want your dreams, I want your ambitions, I want your whole life. And I'm like, oh. June of 1995, a teenage kid kneeling down over this side of the altar, Maranatha Missions Haven in Natchez, Mississippi. Pivotal moment of my life. I probably wouldn't have made it to the NBA anyway, okay? We all agree with that. But man, God says, give it, give it. And my life has been defined by the pivotal moment of letting God have what God wanted. Now, I'd beg you tonight, if I could, whatever it is that God wants in your life, no matter how trivial, 
No matter how confusing, let him have it. Let him have it. Why? Because your legacy depends on it. By the way, with what you give to God, he will accomplish way more with it than you will. God says, give me your life. Give it to me. You're like, no, God. This is my life. I only have one, and when this one's over, it's over. You know, I, will. I promise you. Look, have you ever made animals out of Play-Doh? I mean, look, even as a grown man, sometimes it's fun to just de-stress a little bit. Some of you had those Zen gardens. I just had Play-Doh. You just get it out. And, and me and Miley will make something. This has been a while, but we're going to make an elephant. And you look at it. It's a cross between an alligator and an anteater. You're not quite sure what it is. But man, look, you put that in the hands of a sculptor. And you watch what they can do with that stuff. And God says, give me your life. I want it. I want it. And your, listen, your legacy and what a God accomplishes in your life will be a direct result of what you let God have. Think about the disciples quickly. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you know he was asking for something right there? Give me your life. Walk away from the nets. Walk away from your father. Walk away from your comfort zone. A pivotal moment right there. Those disciples' legacy is about to get set. And what God accomplishes in their life is about to be a direct result of what they let God have. And they just, I mean, I believe, listen, if it was me, they're standing there right there and they're clutching those nets. They're clutching them. You mean giving this up and giving him up and giving that up? Their legacy is about to be defined. And oh, the Bible says straightway they what? Left their nets. They gave it to God. And God, listen, turned the world upside down with those guys. Or they could have just been fishermen. Oh, God did more with them. He accomplished more with them. Why? Because of what they let God have. I, get, I have a huge list. We'll not go over any more tonight. You think about the rich young ruler. Oh, he missed it. Do you know what his legacy is? Missed opportunity. Wouldn't let God have what God wanted. Peter's legacy, Paul's legacy, the church of Laodicea's legacy. Can I tell you tonight, in closing, your legacy is really not a choice. You're going to leave one. Every one of us, good or bad. Adam and Eve's horrible train wreck. Thank you for what you did to the entire world and all humanity. Horrible legacy. Why? Because it wouldn't let God be God. I wonder tonight, are you going to have Adam and Eve's legacy? That's what I wonder. Are you going to have a legacy of somebody who ruined what God wanted to have in your life? Just, it's, it's gone. Why? Because you just wouldn't let God be God? Or tonight, are you going to have a legacy like Joseph? Man, it was tough in some of them stretches. But I'm just going to let God lead. And his legacy and what God did in his life was accomplished by letting God lead. Or possibly tonight, could it be that you're standing at a crossroads in your life? And God says, give me that. For Job, it was his 10 children, his property, his health. The Lord gave and the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job cemented his legacy. And God accomplished something great. Why? Because he let God have. Could I encourage you tonight? Whatever it is, whatever it is, let God have it. Let God have it. It could be something small. Let God have it. Tonight, I believe God would desire to accomplish much more in our life than what? He accomplished his fury. He accomplished punishment. 
I think God would accomplish so much more in our life if we'd let him be God, if we'd let God lead, if we'll let God have. Tonight, let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. We'll stop there. I want you to remember the one point tonight. 